I want to ask this question of why. Why is Easter so special? Is it because it's the biggest day of the year for church attendance? Well, not this year. <laughs> or maybe it is. Who, who knows? Maybe this is even more people are attending this year. I don't, I don't know since they can do it from their home in their jammies. I have no idea. Is it because, you know, at some point the Roman Catholic Church recognized uh, this, uh, this sort of this day or this unique day that the church was already celebrating as, a, as the resurrection of Jesus on the first day of the week, but they made it a holiday. They actually made it a government holiday, and it's lasted to this point. Is it because we have this really old book, right, that tells us this grand story that then centers on a man, and, and in order to keep that sort of story moving, the, the followers at some point sort of wrote and kind of embellished on some myths and legends about the man named Jesus. Is that the reason that Easter is so special? Well, I want to clarify with you today one of the reasons that makes Easter so special and the reason we're going to celebrate uh, today is we do not celebrate, let me repeat that, we do not celebrate a story from a book. We don't. We do not celebrate. We have a series that's coming up in a couple weeks. Where we're going to talk about the Bible. We're going to talk about this, the story of how we got the Bible, which is almost as important as the stories that are in the Bible. But we don't celebrate this day. We don't celebrate this day because it's a story written in a book. We celebrate an event that changed history. The foundation of the Christian faith. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before the book, this book, this Bible, the Biblia, was even bound together, was even brought together for hundreds of years. Jesus followers, followers of the way, the first century church, practiced and celebrated the event that changed history that would actually influence, as many skeptics even recognize, that Christianity has influenced Western society. We celebrate an event. The event is the foundation of our faith. And I want to talk about the event today as well as the things that came after the event and why was it so important. On this Resurrection Sunday, we're going to start at the beginning of, of a letter. We're just going to call it a letter for now. We call it a gospel. We're going to start at this letter where a, a young Jesus follower, okay, a young man, Jesus follower, he was already at this point a doctor. I think he, we claim him as an author, a first century Jesus follower. His name was Luke. And Luke tells us at the beginning of this letter that he's writing, he says, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. Many people have started writing this, these accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I, Luke, also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most onerous Theophilus, so you could be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Luke starts this off by saying, hey, there are many people that are trying to write the accounts of something that happened, something that, that was fulfilled. And I'm also going to do that from eyewitness accounts. I'm going to carefully investigate and study these things for you. And this is, Theophilus is the person who sort of charged uh, Luke to do this. He says, I'm going to do this for you so you can be certain of the things you already know. And so what we know about this is that Theophilus would have already heard stories about Jesus, would have already got bits and pieces. He was a Jesus follower, but he wanted an account. He wanted sort of the story, if you will. 
And why was the story so important? And this is what we're going to read today is that the reason something was written is because something extraordinary happened. The reason something was written, the reason many tried to write accounts is because something extraordinary happened. And I can talk about all of it, but I don't have time today, so we're going to go right towards the end of his document. This is the time in which Jesus, we've already talked about this from the Holy Week, you know, last Sunday, Palm Sunday, celebrating our kids, uh, our kids program, we're celebrating, yay Jesus, Hosanna, Hosanna, yay Jesus, you know, blessed be the, the, the king who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed be King Jesus. And then he has his time with his disciples and he teaches some and then he celebrates Passover. And in the midst of this, there's betrayal that's happening. There's, there's all sorts of ways and schemes and ways in which they're trying to, to get rid of Jesus. And finally, he is arrested and he is falsely accused and he is beaten. And he is tried in secret so they can rush him to a, to a death sentence of crucifixion by the Romans. And Luke picks it up here in Luke 23, verse 44. By this time, it was about noon, and darkness fell on the whole land until about three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. And Jesus shouted, this is from the cross, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands, and with those words he breathed his last when the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshiped God and he said, surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. Now again, Luke is using a lot of language here that that helps bring in the detail for Theophilus and for us. He said there was a good and righteous man named Joseph, and he was a member of the Jewish High Council of the Jewish Supreme Court. Uh, there also is a record of, a, of another man named Nicodemus that's with Joseph um, that really, as it goes on to say, uh, they had not agreed with the decision and the actions of the other religious leaders. He was from the town of Arimathea in Judea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. So Joseph and Nicodemus, according to the accounts, uh, they went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And then he took the body down from the cross and he wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth and he laid it in a new tomb that had been carved out of rock. This was done late on Friday afternoon, the day of preparation, as the Sabbath was about to begin. They were rushing to do this. And as his body was taken away, the women from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where his body was placed. And then they went home, and they prepared spices and ointments to anoint his body. Now, why is this so important in terms of, of Luke sharing this story, of Luke sharing the details of the story? Well, you know, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they, they didn't take the body down and bury it because they believed that Jesus was the Son of God. They took his body down and buried it because they respected this man, but right now the man was dead. As far as they were concerned, this was the end, right? I mean, the, the women went to prepare spices and ointments. Why? Because Jesus was dead. 
Because they were going to have to go back and, and kind of address the body and their Jewish customs, kind of embalm the body because there was no time to do it on Friday night. And so, that, you know, why would they do that? Why would all, any of them do that? Well, because it was over. I want you to hear the words. It was over. As there were no Jesus followers in this moment. There, there was nobody... <laughs> There was nobody waiting outside the tomb on Sunday morning with a countdown. There was nobody. There was no hope anymore. Jesus had pinned so much of what he taught. He, he pinned it all on himself. And the moment that Jesus died, everything died. And yet, Luke and many others go into great detail to tell us why. Because was it the end? Here's what we know. Luke documented the life of Jesus because the story of Jesus didn't end on a Roman cross. Because the story of Jesus didn't end there. Keep going. Verse 1, early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb. Again, women with the spices. Taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And they stood there puzzled. Two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women went, were terrified. They bowed their face to the ground. But the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Why are you in a tomb looking for someone who's alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. And this right here, this is the moment that changed everything. Luke documents the story and goes on to document sort of the eyewitness account and all the people that Jesus engages with and they, and they, they eat breakfast on a beach with the disciples and, and, and all the things that happen. And then Jesus returns to heaven. Like, like, he just goes on to record it all. But the reason that something was written, the reason that we have this letter from Luke, these accounts that they say, again, go back to the beginning of Luke. It says, many people set out to write the accounts, which is unique in history. We don't normally see many things in history that have multiple eyewitness accounts written. That helps Jesus stand apart. He says, many have done this about the events that have been fulfilled among us. Listen, Luke was not writing the Bible, okay? He wasn't. He wasn't writing the Bible. Matter of fact, none of this was even in their mind. Luke was just telling the story of Jesus. Luke wanted Theophilus to know what he already had been taught, which is, let me just give you the orderly account, the way in which it went down. That this, the reason the story is worth telling is because his story did not end where most people's stories end. He is risen. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Luke would not be, again, the only one that we know that felt the need to share this story of hope with the world, with everyone that he knew. We know Peter. We know his name. Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. Now, Peter was a fisherman. And for all we know, like he, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't scholarly, you know, they go on to say later on that they see most of his disciples were not educated men. He was not like Luke. 
Peter, we see Peter's story come through Mark, John Mark, which is the reason we have a, a gospel. Again, we call it Mark. But this account was written by Mark, <clears throat> but it was dictated by Peter. Peter tells, over the course of his time, Peter tells Mark all about his time with Jesus and all the things they did and when he went to follow him and all the miracles and, and the time in which, you know, he tried to fight, as Don talked about on Good Friday, he was wanting to fight to, to, to be everything he could be for Jesus. And yet at the same time, he would fail miserably by denying him in his greatest moment of need. He would deny his Savior. Even Peter threw Mark has to tell the story that very early on Sunday morning, just as the sunrise went over the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, this is the women, who will roll away the stone for us when we, you know, for the entrance to the tomb? They were going to embalm the body. But as they arrived, they looked up and saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white robes sitting on the right side, and the women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Look, this is where they... Now go tell his disciples, including Peter. This was important for Peter, because later on, Peter would share through Mark how Jesus came and restored his heart and restored his broken soul for the denial that he had given Jesus. But right here he says, no. He, he told the women, go, go get the disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee and he will see him there just as he told you before he died. And they go to Galilee and they see Jesus and they have breakfast with him on the beach. We know Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. He was a Jewish kid who decided at some point to betray the Jewish people and collect taxes for Rome. It was hated. Tax collectors had their own category of sinners. There were sinners and there were <clears throat> hated tax collectors, and that's who Matthew was. And Jesus calls Matthew to follow him. And Matthew would give his life following Jesus and, and, and recording as well. And, and Matthew decides that he wants the, the Jewish people to know the story. He wants to take the Old Testament prophecies and tie them together and help all of them connect the dots as the, the fact that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the one they were waiting for. And even Matthew has to tell his story. That early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning. His clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid. He said, I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. Everybody getting the theme? <laughs> he is risen from the dead, just as he said what happened. Matthew would devote his account to helping the Jewish people see the incredible, incredible story of Jesus that did not end on a Roman cross. John, one of his disciples said, 
refers to himself, even his own letter, that he's the disciple whom Jesus loved. He, he had a, a very amazing relationship with Jesus. And John, who is part of the kind of the inner three, he, he shares later in life kind of, kind of a thematic view of his time with Jesus. He doesn't worry about chron- chronological order. He doesn't worry about those things. He, but he shares an account, either dictates it or writes it himself, because he was definitely old in age. And he shares all about what Jesus did. And he said, we are witnesses to this person, this God who came down, the light who became the light, the light of the world, the, the, the word of God that became flesh and walked among us. John said, we are witnesses We are witnesses to him. And even John, because John was telling the story of hope that he'd experienced, says early on Sunday morning. He goes on to tell the story of the women getting to the tomb and, and, you know, parts that you've already heard. But I'm going to jump to the part where he talks about him and Peter being told and rushing to, to the tomb. He says, Simon Peter arrived and went inside, and he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. While the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first, which he's talking about John, he's talking about himself, he also went in and he saw and believed. He saw that he was risen and believed. I love this. He says, For until then they hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Why did they do this? Why was there this, all of this writing and documenting of, of what had happened? Listen, guys, the reason we celebrate this day is because people, ordinary people like you and me, got to experience a risen Savior. They got to experience something extraordinary that happened in their life. And the person they had put their faith in and the teachings they had listened to finally came to fruition. They were fulfilled in their, in their eyes, in their, in their lifetime, in their sight. And they devoted their life to sharing that story of hope with every single person that they know. The resurrection testimony is the reason we celebrate today because Matthew wanted to make sure that people knew the story of hope, that Peter, through Mark, wanted us to know that the resurrection happened, that this event happened. Luke wanted to walk through the eyewitnesses and share all of these with us. John wanted us to hear it through a very poetic and thematic way of what did happen to him. James, who is the brother of Jesus, did not follow Jesus when he was alive, early in his life. Like, like before the resurrection, James, what would, it take, what would it take you to convince your brother that you're God? Go ahead and think about that for just a minute. What would it take for you to convince your sibling? It would take something extraordinary, wouldn't it? And James, the brother of Jesus, after the resurrection, becomes a follower of his brother because he believes Jesus is who he said he was. James becomes the leader in the church. Paul, Paul who himself saw Jesus die as a zealot, as a a troublemaker, as a rebel who wanted to come in and overthrow the government and remove the religious system of the Pharisees that, that was God's religion, and he was devoted to that. Paul, who made it his life's mission to stamp out this cult, this Jewish offshoot of of Judaism, he wanted to stamp it out called the way. Paul, 
who has an encounter with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, the risen Savior, has an encounter with him that changes his life forever and goes on. Every one of these goes on to write an account, share their story of hope, share with the world, share with as many people as they can the story and the resurrection of Jesus. That's why we celebrate today. We celebrate today. And even Paul, Paul later on in his letters to the church, tells us why this is so important, why this is so critical, this event that changed history. Why was it so special? He tells the church in Corinth, he says, if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless. And your faith is useless. If there is no resurrection, if we don't celebrate this day, what does it matter? All the things we say and believe and all the things that Jesus taught, they don't. Later on, he says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is useless and you are still guilty of sin. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, Paul's saying if, if our hope in Christ is just to make us a little bit better people, if our hope in Christ just helps us get along a little bit better and love our, our neighbors a little bit better, if that's, if that's our hope, then we are to be pitied more than anyone else in the world. We are to be pitied. Why is Easter so special? Why is it so special? Because something extraordinary had happened. That's why it's so special. Something extraordinary had happened. To normal people, I can't say this enough, to people like you, to people like me, from, from lowly fishermen, to tax collectors, to doctors and teachers, to brothers and mothers, and yes, even to high-ranking government officials, and religious leaders. Something extraordinary had happened to them. And they had no choice but to tell the world. They had no choice but to share that resurrection testimony that this is something that not only that Jesus taught them, and that yes, the teachings of Jesus would all come to life and be fulfilled, but it would be because he rose from the dead because they saw him die and they had breakfast with him on the beach a few days later. Luke, as we talked about him earlier, Luke would go on for the next 30 years of his life documenting the first century church and the disciples. And, and Luke knew all these guys and had, you know, you see a lot of, especially in the book of Acts, um, that's where we find a lot of this in terms of Luke is the book of Acts. We find him you know, kind of sharing what was going on, what was happening. It's not just the resurrection. It was how did the resurrection affect everything? How did it, how did it change everything? And he spends the next 30 years writing and recording and traveling and, and working with Paul and, and John Mark and, and, and Peter and working with all of these guys, meeting all of them and working with them. And I, I want to just kind of narrow our time here at the end to this this story where, where Luke records for us this encounter. 
Peter and John, okay, had been arrested. They had been doing miracles outside the temple, and this is past, this is past the, the, the Pentecost, and, and um, there had already been this huge movement in terms of the, of the way, in terms of people giving their life to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the religious leaders who was causing such chaos and, and disorder, they, they arrested them and they brought them in and they realized they couldn't, they couldn't you know, put them to death like Jesus. They couldn't do it because they were so public and it was so real and they didn't have enough to, to lay into them. But they, here's what they did. This is actually in, in Acts 4. He says, what should we do with these Men, this is the, the Pharisees talking among themselves. They asked each other, we can't deny that they've performed a miraculous sign. This is after they had uh, uh, a man who was lame at the gate. They, they, he got up and walked. He said, everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. They're like, we can't deny what he just did. He, the guy came doing jumping jacks into the temple, and everybody knows he's lame. And, and he pointed at Peter and, and John and said, they did it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda, okay, any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. This is their strategy. This is their strategy. Hey, we got to warn them. Like they're going to be in big trouble. If they talk about Jesus and they try to push this propaganda, they try to push this religious agenda that they apparently have to undermine the temple's authority and the religious leader's authority. <laughs> So they called in the apostles back in and they commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Commanded them. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? It's a rhetorical question, obviously. He, he, Peter and John are saying, you're, 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 you're giving us a dilemma here that doesn't even have, it only has one solution. There's, you think there's an option here, but there really isn't. And he says this, we cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. We cannot stop telling people everything of what we've seen and what we've heard. We will not stop sharing the resurrection testimony. We will not stop sharing the hope that we have found, as we call it here at Journey, the absolute hope of Jesus Christ. We cannot stop and we will not stop telling others what we have seen, telling them everything. Not just the event that changed it all, but why that event meant everything else was true. We can't stop telling anybody everything about what we'd seen and heard, especially when it came to Jesus. And so today, like other Easter's, we focus on the event. We focus on the resurrection. But today, my challenge today is around the idea of the fact that, that what did the event change not just in the disciples, what did it change in terms of, 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 in terms of why we even have this book? Again, we're going to spend the next couple weeks in the new series talking about how this book came to be, this Bible that we believe is the inspired Word of God. How in the world did all of this happen through this event? And I believe that last passage helps us understand that, that everybody who had an encounter with Jesus 
everybody who had an encounter with understanding why the event happened and the eyewitnesses and the people that saw it and shared and, and, and again, centuries, you know, hundreds of years of people coming to faith, dying for their faith and their belief in Jesus Christ, a risen Savior, is the fact that Paul and, I'm sorry, Peter and John said, we, we can't help but tell every, everyone everything that we've seen and what we've heard. And so my challenge today is simple. Today is the day. Today is the day for you to share with your world that my hope this Easter is in Jesus Christ. Today is the day. If you've been around Journey and, and you know we've already been challenging you through emails and conversations and videos and giving you examples of, of what we're really wanting to see happen today. And hopefully you've already seen some. I've already shared my testimony this morning and, and my hope testimony, and I'm, I'm sure you've already seen some others before the service. But it's not too late. This is Easter Sunday. And my challenge to you today is don't just take this moment as an internal sort of appreciation for what God has done for you. I want you to take that, that, that celebration of our risen Savior and I want you to turn it outward and I want you to tell your world today when the whole world isn't gathered in buildings today. They're gathered in homes, on social media, in front of screens. And they have, you have their undivided attention today to share with your circle that your hope is in Jesus Christ. Here at Journey, we call this our vision statement that we are the transformed people. We've had experiences with a risen Savior. We are the transformed people who want to see our friends' lives changed by absolute hope, which is Jesus. And so my challenge to you today is very simple. We're going to pray. We are. We're going to, we're going to take communion together at the end, and we're going to do all those things, and we're going to celebrate and, and continue to celebrate this day. But I'm telling you, the way you celebrate today, the way you, you really get that out of you today, is you find a way through a social media channel, through an email, through a letter, through a picture, through, through a video, through a Facebook Live, through an Instagram story. You get on there today and you tell people that my hope is in Jesus Christ. Do not be ashamed today of the gospel of Christ. Do not be ashamed of the one who died for you to give you life. And when he rose again, he, he rose victorious over sin and the grave and broke the shackles of sin in our life. This is, this is a world right now in desperate need of hope. Our world right now is in desperate need to put their hope in something. And listen, it's going to be assumed because many people don't know where your hope lies. You don't share anything on social media. You're careful not to share too much at work. You don't share that much with your friend circles because you don't want to offend them and you're worried about kind of, you know, you being associated with those kind of Christians, those kind of Christians you don't really understand or kind of make you look bad. 
People don't know where your hope lies. Today is the day for you to share that my hope is in Jesus Christ. Here's the assumption. The assumption today is that your hope and the world's hope lies with, you know, Dr. Fauci and Burks and waiting for them to tell us that it's safe to go outside. It lies in government, federal and state government authorities to tell us we can go back to work. For many people, our hope lies in in the cushion of our bank account or some financial stimulus bailout check that's coming at some point. Today, our our hope lies in, in a future that we still think that we control and a future that we still think we can, you know, huddle together and say, we're going to do this together. We'll make it through. We, too many people still think that that's where their hope actually is. And I'm telling you today that to celebrate this Resurrection Sunday, I think the best way you can celebrate is to tell people where your hope actually lies. You can write it out. You can share your testimony. You can share your story. You can share what Jesus has done for your marriage and for your life and for your, your emotions and for your person. And You can just share whatever you want. You can share it however long or short you want. I just want you to share today your story of hope. Because we don't trust in those things. We don't put our hope in those things. We have hope in a risen Savior. I'm going to pray for us this morning. And again, we're going to worship with a, one song after I'm done praying, and then we're going to take communion together as a church, as we talked about doing all week long. We're going to take and receive communion together as a church. But before I pray, I do want to let you know that if this, if this is a decision you'd never made, if you've never really ever had a personal experience and a personal encounter with our risen Savior, and this morning, he is knocking on your heart. He is, he is trying to get your attention to finally, after prayers of mom and dad and after friends have talked with you and after people have shared things with you and after a life of you trying to do it on your own, you are finally willing to surrender your life to him. I'm going to pray for you this morning first and give you an opportunity just to repeat a few words and to accept Jesus as your Savior today. So let's pray together. Father God, this morning, for those that need to make a decision, God, I'm just trusting through the way in which your Spirit works all over the world that whoever's watching right now would say this prayer. Jesus, I believe that you are the risen Son of God who died for my sin and who rose again to give me life. I surrender my life to you. I am done trying to do it my way. But I surrender my life to you. For those today that have said that prayer, God, we know that you celebrate with them and that we as a church want to celebrate with them. For the rest of us, God, may we have the boldness today. Today is the day to share with the world that our hope is in Jesus Christ, that we want people to know that not by default our hope lies where everyone else's hope lies, but today is the day that we declare it. 
in every way and in every form we have available. That my hope is in you, Jesus. May we never underestimate God, the power of our testimony in you. We pray all this in your name. Amen.